0: Welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to join me on an exploration of what makes the Elm City tick. Well, Sean Wooden's been hanging around the Elm City, he's looking to make New Haven and Connecticut tick. He's running for the Democratic nomination for state treasurer a job that some former New Haveners have held, um, most notably, I think, uh, Henry Parker. Absolutely. Sean is in the studio today to tell us about that. Welcome, Mr. Wooden. It's very nice to meet you. It's great to meet you. Uh, I've I've read you for years. Oh, you have? Okay. You're still welcome to come in. I Appreciate that. Uh, We want to give special thanks to Yellow Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. So, Mr. Wooden, you're running for state treasurer. It's a pretty important job. And I think the average person doesn't always know the difference between the comptroller, which has a P in it, right, comptroller, <laughs> yep. and the treasurer. They both have to do a lot with the money that we have coming in as in state government. What's the difference between the two jobs?
1: Well, the big difference is the treasurer actually manages uh, the pension system for the state. Uh, both teachers, uh, state employees, a variety of pension systems. So there, there's an investment management component to the job mm-hmm. uh, that's that's different from the comptroller's office. Uh, there is a debt management, and so all the borrowing for roads, bridges, schools, mm. that takes place in um, a host of other responsibilities. And we're talking
0: $34 billion in pension fund money that you would be responsible for managing. It's like yeah. every time you have some great brilliant little idea to make a little more money or every time you like make a little bit of a bad call on a half a percentage point, you're talking millions of dollars you're yeah, getting is, us thrown out the window. Big, big it, responsibility. It's real money. <laughs> a real money and also $20 billion in debt. And then I guess the comptroller, fair to say, like just runs the checks that you have in and out every day of government, making sure people's paychecks are, the money's taken from an account that then goes into your paycheck and when you're paying contractors and keeps an eye on where we are with deficits year to year correct correct and uh, i guess you're both important people for our bond agency rating agencies if i'm not mistaken because they want to know how we're doing day to day but also how our long-term investments are going
1: right well well the treasurer the the controller doesn't have anything to do with the investments uh right that's the the treasurer right right so it's the
0: treasurer and you also deal with s cheats which uh, a word i learned when i met Henry Parker, back in the day, E S C H E A T S has nothing to do with cheating, except for the way they dealt with it in my bank once. S cheats is when you have this money that's never claimed, right? And it's usually a bank account that they haven't heard from the person in years, right?
1: And for the layperson out there, let's call it the unclaimed property.
0: Unclaimed property, much better. Yes. Is it mostly bank account money, or is it other stuff too?
1: Uh, it can be. It can be other other stuff as well, right? That comes in and no one claims it. The state tries to notify. Uh, relevant people to come. Well, what forward. what would be an example of what comes in besides bank account money? Uh, if there's a there's a deposit, um, yeah, you know, I'm thinking my my name ended up on the list because when I was running, I was running, uh, I think Project Vote for the mm-hmm. state of Connecticut, um, and there was a deposit put down on something that we we paid for, um, and never organization was shut down after the election cycle, uh-huh. and so that ended up going to the state.
0: How long does it take before you haven't had any um, interaction with your bank that they give it over to the state? Um, I do not know. And what happens to the money when it's it, state? You notify people. At least it used to be, Hank Park used to take out a big ad in all the newspapers, a whole section. Everyone would kind of go over it to see if their name was on it and say, hey, free money. Right? Did you know right. that there's a thousand bucks waiting for you? You didn't claim somewhere? How do people find out about it now?
1: Yeah, so s- sometimes there's advertising. Sometimes there's direct outreach. Mm-hmm. If you can, if the office can track down a name
0: or a last known address. And what happens and, at the end? And they'll send the notice. The stuff that's not it, claimed. It stays in the state's state treasury. Okay. So how much a year do we get boosted from unclaimed property? The, I, I don't know the current, the current numbers, but it, it's actually a good amount. Right? And is there a danger that when our finances are rough, that if you don't have someone as honest as Sean Wooden, someone might say, you know, hey, when you kind of need some money, let's not tell granny that she actually has a million dollars here. The, I, I don't think so. I mean, just kind of base,
1: based on the mission and the role and, and the obligation of those managing that, they do their best
0: to, to actually notify people. So I got my and little gripe now, now that I got the guy who might be treasurer here about how she's done. Um, we, I manage, you know, very small business here and I have a few bank accounts. And one of my bank accounts is the rainy day fund. So when I put money in there, I'm not planning in the course of a year or two to touch it, hopefully. yep. So I had a good year. I didn't touch my rainy day fund. And the bank didn't call me up and say, you haven't touched it in a year. didn't send me an email. They sent a snail mail letter saying, we're going to turn this over to SGT unless we hear from you. I think it was like 14 months or something. Now, what if that snail mail letter hadn't arrived? Because mail gets lost all the time. Yep. I panicked. I said, you're going to throw $160,000 to the state from a small business based on one snail mail letter? Is that kosher? Uh, Well, I don't think so. I mean, I, I actually think one, we do still need
1: snail mail because, believe it or not, there are people. who... All right,
0: I'm not saying that should be. But my point was right. only snail mail. No, 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 mail. no.
1: That's where I'm going. We we need multiple avenues to do our best to outreach and reach. How
0: people. long should banks wait, and how should they let people know?
1: The, uh, I don't know. You know, 14 months. That's not a. That's not a. But short, even if we're short. two years. Yeah, I mean the real the real question is. How much outreach should yeah. take place within a given period of time? Because if there's zero outreach
0: and it's 10 years. And they should let businesses know that if you're planning this just to let it sit and for emergencies, we're not going to give it over the state in two years. Anyway, that's Webster the- Bank. If you get elected, <laughs> keep an eye on them. Okay. I was shocked. All right. <laughs> They're on my radar now. <laughs> hey, we're talking to Sean Wooden, who hopes he's on the way to becoming the state treasurer. He's running for the Democratic nomination. All these uh, top. Jobs are open this year. Denise Napier, who is very successful, I guess, three terms as state treasurer. Four four terms. Four terms. Wow,
1: 16 years. No, no, no. She's on her fifth term. It'll be a total of 20 years. Whoa.
0: Right? This is her 19th year. Boy, oh, boy. So those jobs don't open up very much, very often. Like Attorney General, when that opens up, you know, this is also opening up. this year. George Jepson's retiring. The governor's office is opening up. So there's a scramble for those jobs. It's a very, you know, talented people waiting for their day. Yeah. And all this yeah. kind of and it's been nice meeting everyone to see what their visions are. And so like I got you sidetracked and SGs was matter but aren't nearly matter as much as pensions and bonded debt. Now when you hear people complaining about state government, they're complaining about those more than often than not, they're complaining about how we have such crushing debt and such crushing pension obligations that we're not meeting. Yeah. Why do you want to take that on and how would you fix it? Well, it, I happen to be
1: a pension fund investment lawyer. And I've I've spent the last 20 years,
0: uh, doing that work. Um, meaning uh, that when you, when you're working at, um, when you're working at day Pitney law firm, you have clients who have pension funds and you're the lawyer for those pension funds.
1: Right. I, I lead our public pension fund investment
0: practice. Okay. And
1: so, you know, so for example, um, the state treasurer's office of Connecticut, I've done work for the last 15 years. Oh, um, other uh, state treasurers' office, pension systems outside of the state of Connecticut, I represent. Really, like um, what states? The, uh, the I'm, I'm not going to just give a list of clients. Um, Why not? It, it, just because of my as a as a lawyer, we we don't we don't do that. Okay. My my work with the state of Connecticut, you know, it's a matter matter of public record. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a public
0: record at all in any of those other the, states? Um, you need to show the, up above documents.
1: In, yeah, and some, and some of them we, we ask permission from time to time, you know, when we pitch for other business and we get consent. And that, now we're. Now okay, we're, so you've been we're, doing we're this. Like, and what is your yeah. role when you do this? When you're a pension See, let me, lawyer? Let me give you another one. Another one that's a matter of public record. Uh, New York State comptroller. Oh. Um, and, you know, I led the team in the. You may remember the big pay to play scandal, mm-hmm. um, which made Connecticut's, which was bad. This was Connecticut on steroids. Wow. Uh, with with the a former comptroller, and I led the team uh
0: that worked to clean it up huh. and what was the name Paul? paul 's name? We had one Republican state treasurer in like the last thirty years, and he, I think he went to jail right paul Sylvester yeah yeah Sylvester that's who yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that that's right um but so to answer
1: your question why why do I want to do this you know pensions retirement security investments that 's been a passion of mine and something I focused on you know, for the last 20 years. I've also now why is
0: it a pension? Why, why are pensions a passion for you? It's just, uh,
1: w- one, I mean, it's really, let's take a step back, right? I tell people the treasurer's office is focused on numbers and people think of money in numbers, right? But fundamentally public service, including the treasurer's office is about people. And that's, that's why I'm interested, you know? So and when, nothing when, more than a pension, which is that you're able to retire. And right, right. To retire. And, and I, early in my career, I worked for the AFL CIO's office of investment, right? Where, where we were fighting for working families, retirement security, uh, shareholder activism, you know, being active owners, trying to influence corporations through, through our ownership and having a seat at the table. And this is, this is the work that I've done, you know, for, for labor. It's the work I've done as a professional lawyer, you know, on the side of public pension systems, Um, and it's the work I've done as a former
0: city council president in terms of protecting our pension system. And you were the city council president in the city of Hartford. That's correct. So Sean Wooden, tell me in layman's terms the problem about the pension fund, what the danger is, how bad it is, and then some ideas based on the work you've done with pension funds, how you fix it. My understanding is that for a lot of years, both Democrats and Republicans alike in the 90s and in the aughts, we're not putting enough money in every year to that fund to shore it up. And that our returns are lower than they thought they'd be. And that our biggest problem is people who are kind of been retired for a while. Not the more recent retirees and the cost of meeting those pensions. Because I guess they were kind of generous. Or some of us would say they're where pensions should be compared to where they are in the private sector. But aside from that issue. What's the nature of the problem? How do we fix it? Sure. The nature of the problems. You
1: know, some of it's simple. The, the problem in how we got here is pretty simple, actually. We We simply... Uh, the state simply hasn't paid in enough mm-hmm. on an annual basis as to what's required. What's actuarially determined is the amount you need to keep up for the obligations. And so we're, we're talking about decades of the state not meeting its obligation to the pension system. And so that's a problem. Another problem, and, and this is not uncommon, is uh, unusually high or unrealistically high return assumptions.
0: Which is happening across
1: the country. Which is happening across the country. And why does that happen? That happens because your your higher return assumption uh, reduces the... No, I get that. That means you have to put less in. But, but When you say, why does it happen? It ha- I'm, I'm telling you, right, as it happens because there is political pressure. Right, not have about to it. tax people as much and right, spend if, as if, much if, money. Right, when you reduce the return assumptions, which, which I think return assumptions generally... And in, in many states need to be reduced to be more re- realistic. What that does, though, is put more pressure on the annual operating budget. Yeah, you got to raise so more money is, or cut other money. Right, and so
0: that's the But in New Haven, we have a committee, for instance, that manages these funds. And they include members of the unions. The police and fire union members are on the fire pension, police pension board. So wouldn't their incentive be to make sure that you don't have unrealistic assumptions so that their members can afford to retire and get that check? The, yeah.
1: That, that in terms of long-term fiscal stability of the system that's that's the right
0: position to take so Sean Wooden, how much are we underfunded give me a number of how bad that situation
1: the is. Well, the, the teachers is is at about 53 fifty four percent funding ratio when well, New Haven we're under like I think 40 percent right and it's so the, these are these are unsustainable numbers and right? what about what are the other numbers the the, other funds? Uh, is the state employees uh, again marginally higher than than the teachers but on a marginal well in other point. places it's much lower i mean uh, in new haven i think we're in the 40s you know, yeah but was, that that's that's not a benchmark you really want to use right it's all 70 is the benchmark it's it's all unhealthy um, and is the benchmark 70 yeah. well i mean uh, Hartf- hartford for example is 74% is that okay? funded and yeah that's considered I mean, a lot of municipalities and state would jump at that number. Mm. Um, yeah. Did you have something to do with that? A- absolutely. You know, three, three out of four years uh, when I was the city council president, you know, I fought back efforts to underfund the pension system. Mm. And, it, you know, it's not, a, it's not an issue that's sexy or that a lot of people want to pay attention to. Uh, but it was, it was important to me for us to be uh, fiscally sound on an annual yeah. basis for that system and you know that, although there are other problems Hartford now is getting a 550 million dollar bailout from the state so they, yeah i mean there've been problems in, in Hartford and urban communities in this state for, for decades right and so there's there's actually nothing new about uh, the financial struggles or challenges of Hartford you know what is new is you know the efforts of of the current mayor in terms of his his approach to going about
0: fixing it so Sean Wooden, I'm sorry I'm getting you in the weeds here because I, I'm not an expert in this kind of stuff and I'm wondering how the layman can understand this. So when we hear, oh my God, they're underfunded, it's only 50%, 40%, it seems to me, and tell me if I'm right about this, there are two things to worry about. The first concern is that if you have too little money in the fund, then the ratings agencies say, we think that your finances are in peril, we're going to rate it lower. So next time you go out to borrow money, you're going to have to spend more money. And that's the first stop, the first problem, the first warning sign, the first reason governments worry if you have an underfunded pension. And then the second concern is, and this is more extreme, will we be able to pay people? Will we be able to meet our obligations one day? And I was talking about this with me Harp the other day, and there isn't a sense that even at 40% or 30%, you are actually going to have trouble meeting that bill because everyone has to sort of retire at once, Correct. There there is trouble.
1: The, the second point is a significant point in my view in terms of projecting out and the ability to, to So it's pay not out. tomorrow, it's like in five years, ten it's, years. Yeah, it's 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 not tomorrow, but you know, as as I told uh, in, in one community when I was asked the question, you know, should should I should my daughter worry if she's going into teaching about her retirement security? And I said, Yeah, today in terms of what's going to be there when when her daughter retires from teaching.
0: So is there going to be a day of reckoning coming? It, absolutely. And now in Connecticut, is, is it sort of like balloon payments? That, you know, when, when you take a variable mortgage out and then you're fine for 10 years, but then they sock you in like year 11. Is my understanding that either because of the number of people who retired at a certain point or the schedule at which we agreed to invest in that fund based on past payments, is there some reason we're worried about a balloon? Well, not a not a balloon. You you have in the case of the teachers' pension fund,
1: the state issued pension obligation bonds, mm-hmm. right? So in that that's closer to a you know, so that requires payments every year into the system and over over a period of years, right? But and that's a result of the of the bonds that were issued to support the teacher system.
0: And do we are those different rates each year? Different the, amounts of pay? You no, know, those are set. Those are sits. So why are we worried about what's going to hit in 10 years as opposed to now?
1: Well, we're, we're worried about, we're worried about the payment schedule and over time and our ability our ability as a state to make those payments. And is that because the payments go up? That's, uh, yes. And why do they go up? The, the payments will go up and it depends in the, in the teachers, by the way, is different from other pension system. Cause mm-hmm. issuing pension obligation bonds, that's not, that's not like, I mean, it's, it's common enough, but that's not most of our pension systems, right? So most of our pension systems, it's you, you don't have you don't have bonds and a pay bonds to pay off in connection with them. You have uh, beneficiaries to meet their obligations over a period of time, right? So the pension
0: obligation bond circumstance happens to be more more unique. And do we do that because we wanted in the short term not to have to put as much money in? So we borrowed. The we. we
1: we do that for a lot of reasons. One is to reduce the unfunded
0: uh, pension liabilities, mm-hmm. right? So you have an infusion of of cash through through bonds. Then bond you got to hope that you'll invest that money in ways that'll make back more than you're gonna have to pay to meet the bonds. Right? Are we doing that? We we have not been meeting meeting all of
1: all of the benchmarks, but the the return assumptions have been adjusted. They have been
0: uh, downward. Now, just so again, and because I'm sorry, I'm speaking at such a basic level. I'm not a finance guy like you. Why are we worried about the payment schedule looking forward on those pension obligation bonds? Do we foresee higher payments to make in five years or 10 years than we're making today Well, on those bonds? Well, on, on any payment schedule, if you, if you look out 10
1: years, 15 years, and you see, you see your obligations uh, that you have to pay out, and you look at your revenues, and you project out 10 years, 15 years, and it doesn't add up, right? And you have less revenue projected than you... Then you do uh, your liabilities. Then that's a problem. So, and I'm trying a, to simplify
0: it—is it a mistake to borrow money to try to shore up a pension fund? Is there a mistake when governments do that? Uh, it's not. a I mean, you, you have to take
1: it on a case by case basis, right? You, you have to take all the available information at the time. Um, you know, I'm I'm generally wary of borrowing in terms of pension obligation bonds, but you have to take all the information available at the time to understand what's. What's the interest rate you're getting, mm-hmm. and what do you expect to be able to generate, and have as more a realistic
0: and realistic um, re- projections than we have now?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, because you realize that in New Haven, we have a proposal to spend to borrow two hundred fifty million dollars to shore up our pension funds. Yeah, that's very controversial this year. How would you weigh in on that? If you're the treasurer, what would you advise New Haven? Well, I, I would.
1: One, I. As a lawyer, I've learned to get the information and get the facts before before And as a in.
0: candidate, you learn that you don't want to piss off either side if they want to support you for
1: your the, campaign. The um, the truth is that that didn't even come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'd be a better
0: candidate if that was. Front, no, I think uh, I think, I think you'd center. be a, I think you'd be a worse candidate if you had the information because then you would have to get half the side in New Haven. It's a very divisive issue. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about the campaign for treasurer, Sean yes. Wooden who is running for the Democratic nomination for treasurer, is our guest today on Dateline New Haven at WNHH 103.5 FM Live, stevenewhaven.org. I learned that in addition to having a career as a pension fund lawyer at the uh, prominent firm of Dave Pitney, in addition to having a career in politics as the as the president of the Hartford uh, City Council in which he dealt with pension issues, Sean Wynn also was on radio. You had a come yes. before in the air. I had I wish I had gotten to hear back in the day. Um, hip hop nation on Trinity's radio station. Do you think that your interest in doing radio and communicating with people and kind of having a beat to what you care about is it all relevant to wanting to be holding one of the least understood and numbers-driven jobs in state government? The is it
1: is it relevant? I mean, it might be relevant. You know, because w- my radio show we we like we like being socially relevant and and engaged. Um so that was that was part of what we what we did. And the you know, in the trajectory of my life has followed that. You know, you know, as a campus activist. Uh Trinity what kind College. of issues? Uh issues of race, discrimination, issues
0: of That uh, was back in the day of divestment from Af- yeah, South but that Africa. Yeah, there was gonna be So the that next was one. a financial investment issue That divestment then. of And how does South that work Africa? now? Are there any issues I know people talk about whether we should divest our um from certain funds with our or our state uh money and You'll, have the, you'll be involved in those decisions, and those are tough decisions because the, the more causes you divest from, the fewer options you have to make the most money back. Some people have said we should divest from gun manufacturers. Are there any divestment decisions sure. you would make based on that? Absolutely. But before we talk about that, I
1: just have to go on the record and state that my radio name was Matrix. Oh. And I was Matrix before the movie. Before but, the movie, before the movie. although
0: if you believe in the movie, there's no before and after, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so,
1: but but back to divestment. Um, I I think I've already gone on the record as supporting divestment from irresponsible gun manufacturers.
0: How what's what's an irresponsible gun manufacturer? And what's a it's, responsible one? Well, I think
1: if if gun manufacturers want to get on board, and and I describe gun manufacturers. Guns are inherently, uh, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not inherently bad, right? We have, we have good public purposes that we, we actually use guns on our for. cops to have guns. It's
0: okay. We've decided right. decide. it's okay to hunt.
1: Right. Right. Um, with that said, uh, there's legislation, obviously Connecticut passed one of the strongest, uh, gun safety laws in the country. There's this effort nationally and I I actually think responsible gun manufacturers should be on the t- on the side of making uh guns more safe from a technology perspective Two, making communities more safe you know in terms of the the chain of custody of of a gun being manufactured and out to the public uh three supporting universal background checks making sh- making sure the people who
0: obtain guns how does that have to do with divestment you want the companies to support that
1: no 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 this you asked me the question about what's a responsible or an irresponsible gun manufacturer. So you want the gun gun manufacturer. I want those who are not on board with Senator Chris Murphy and his calls for, for uh, greater gun safety measures, um, on a federal level, Mm -hmm. you know, in the host of others, those who are not on board with the Sandy hook principles, if you're not on board, if you're not part of the solution to making, um, uh, reducing the number of guns that flood our urban communities, that mm-hmm. are used in mass shootings at schools, then that makes you a company that we shouldn't be doing business with because that's inconsistent
0: with the values of the
1: people of Connecticut.
0: But and, when I'm, when I'm, I guess what I'm asking you is um, what should the company specifically do? Should it advocate for the, the gun safety or, abs- just, yes. or just not the, oppose it? The, they should advocate for it, right? This
1: is, this is an issue of critical, critical importance. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to a person who six months into being city council president, uh, lost a young cousin, uh, to gun violence. I'm sorry um, about that. and this, this issue. So no, you, 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 you shouldn't just sit on the sidelines and make money. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you're either for making our community safer and our kids safer or, or you're not right. And, and on this one, for me, there's no in the, in the middle. And, and I think, you know, coming out of my days at the AFL-CIO, we we really focused on using ownership as having a seat at the
0: table and being able to affect corporate behavior. So I'm behavior. still, I'm still, because I'm a little ignorant on this issue. What specifically should they support to make universal safer? background checks? Okay,
1: universal background checks. That's an easy one. That's an easy one for our country. Easy one for uh, manufacturers and everyone in the supply chain. Universal background checks. That's one. Bump stocks ban. That's. I mean, there are there are a host of these these issues that it's just common sense. You don't need it for hunting, you know. At least, you know, not not hunting as we've come to appreciate yeah, for it hunting people
0: in this country. And uh, so, and one question I had, and I'm getting this now. And uh, one question is, is how many issues do you pick? Because we can spend all day. It is important to use your money with social responsibility strategy. So it is important that when we're investing a lot of money, we're also trying to push companies to be socially responsible, so they don't create other expensive problems for us in addition to the moral questions. Yeah, yeah. You also could spend all your day, hey, media has that about what ads do you take, right? Yep. Uh, do you be a front for prostitution like the alt-weeklies and all that kind of stuff, you know, with teenagers? Um, where do you draw the line? How many causes do you pick before you decide that you, you also got to make money? Well, two, two
1: things. I reject the premise that you, you can't do good and do well. No, I'm but saying you much. can, no, 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 but no, is but, there ever a but, point at which? Of course, of course, of course right, there, there's a point. You know, as someone who's, who's advised pension boards and treasurers, you know, does it for a living, you know, it's something called a fiduciary duty, right? And you have to protect, you know, your obligation is still to maximize returns and to minimize risk for the system and to make money. Um, but, but I would suggest to you, and this is borne out over, over years of doing this work, that you can you can be responsible. You you can't take a hundred percent of the portfolio uh, of of thirty four billion
0: and try to you know change the world and do good. And also, you right. if you want to have leverage, you are kind of going to concentrate on some. Yeah, that, that's but like, right. what about another issue, sort of um, slave labor or what could be approximately slave labor and how we get our food, the way sugar is made, um, you know, food companies, food justice—is that on the yeah agenda? I I, I think yeah. You know, like I'm, as a consumer, that's part of how I buy products. Like, you know, I try to, you can't always know if you're right, but you know, right. not only being a vegan, but even how humans are treated,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, I think a num a number of things are on the agenda, but you know, keep keeping in mind to, to your point, which is, you know, you, you have to make a return yeah. on investment, right? Which I believe you can, and you have to allocate time and attention and resources, right? Certain issues, um, rise to the, to the top, right? So we talk about guns because that's been obviously front and center for the people mm-hmm. of Connecticut uh, for, for some time, um, you know, at least in Sandy Hook, you know, in Hartford, Bridgeport, New Haven, and other places uh, a, a lot longer than uh, before Sandy Hook.
0: Right, so certain run to the top. This kind of gets back to one of the questions I, one of the reasons I asked you about being a DJ. When I look over your campaign material, you speak a lot about democracy, about grassroots input into how the treasurer does his or her job, which is a novel concept, right? You know, we don't really talk about that much. <laughs> right. So, I want to ask you about that, where that was. So, you've played up not just your bona fides of, of being a pension fund investor, as a lawyer, I mean, um, advisor, as a lawyer, and as a city council president looking at the books, but you're also playing up your work with DFL CIO, grassroots political action. And um, so, to what extent is your ability to Connect with grassroots people to have their voice enter government, enter into this job. I, I think it connects in terms of there. There are things that the
1: treasurer can do statutorily in powers, right over investments, other things. There are things that the treasurer will absolutely need to work closely with the legislature and the, the governor in order to implement. So, where I think on a level of advocacy. Right on things that the treasurer just can't, with the stroke of a pen, make happen. Mm-hmm. I think we, we have to advocate and use use the office, you know, as a bully pulpit on matters that uh, relate to the treasurer's purview. Right. So let's go back to one of, one of the biggest ones facing our state right now: unfunded pension liabilities, and in making sure that you know I've been on the side of of whether or not to fund the system. Right. Making sure that those in the legislature that have responsibility for adopting a budget, making sure that that system. So advocacy role it begins with, so At, as a state treasurer, you need to be saying, Hey, we need more money in the fund. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and, and being loud about it if you have to, and working with other key stakeholders,
0: bringing them to the table. To but, make sure we fully fund our punches. Yes. What should the number be? Uh, what should the number instead be? of forty-four? I mean, fifty-four
1: percent. How? how? Uh, I mean, I'd like to see the number at least in the seventies. But what we what we have to do, you know, we can't make the. This is this is a problem decades in the making, mm-hmm. right? And we're we're not going to get out of it with any quick fix. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's we we need to move
0: up into the seventies. and It'll be great to get to the eighty. And what else would you do besides advocating that we invest more in the pension fund? So what you would do? What else would you do about our unfunded liability there? Well, so, so one is uh, annual
1: funding, mm-hmm. the required amount. Two is looking at new revenue sources to come into the system, uh, which may include, there's discussion about dedicating for a period of time lottery system revenues as a means of shoring up the asset base there. Mm-hmm. But, but looking at new revenue sources,
0: um, Isn't that so but, interesting to use gambling proceeds to stop gambling with our pensions? Yeah, that is
1: Interesting. <laughs> um, the uh, we're we're actually we're not even gambling with our pensions right now. We're we're, we're just screwing them. Um, <laughs> the, we, you know it's just going down, right? And that's um, you know I actually you know and I have to give credit to the current governor on this point. Um, he's he's the first governor in a long time know who who actually say the word pension Mm -hmm. actually put a put a spotlight on it but uh we've got to do much better than we're doing and so there are other ways to bring so new revenues new revenues more investment from the state coffers yep uh increasing the asset base and that may be through securitizing certain certain state-owned assets but they remain
0: uh again you said that quickly and when i hear securitization i see a red light go off isn't that sort of Putting either your assets in jeopardy that you already own, or trying to get too much out of them, not 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 at all. How do you securitize an asset? Like isn't that like parking revenues the, or buildings? Yeah, yeah, See, you're you're not worried
1: about getting too technical asking a question like that. But I'd be happy to engage. I am interested, <laughs> like securitization. Yeah, it's it's dedicating dedicating an asset. So let's use an an office building, for example, and uh, transferring transferring ownership to the pension system right so essentially it's still publicly owned mm-hmm. um and so the pension system has more collateral has more assets mm-hmm. um in, it, in its coffers and thereby reducing the uh, unfunded liability level because you've increased assets but, but you what don't are you giving up you by don't then? but you don't change the character of the usage of that building but what do you give up yeah, uh, you give up future options of what you're going to do with that building. But unless you're prepared to sell
0: off that building or, yeah. well, Oz Griebel's running for governor says we're not using all that space in Hartford. Let's sell someone's building. And when we are selling using them, let's sell it to a private owner. So they'll pay taxes on the building and give us a 20 year lease on it. Yeah. But you can,
1: there are lots of ways you can still, you can still get there through mm-hmm. the, through the pension system
0: ownership. Okay. Right. And we're talking about that. We're talking about pensions. We're talking about what the state treasurer does with Sean Wood, yeah. who's running for the state Democratic nomination for the job this time around. And we're having a good discussion, a little bit in the weeds. Let's get to your personal background. So you, you started growing up in Hartford. You went south for a while, came back up. Um, you, uh, you're, you went to Trinity, I guess, since you did radio. Yep. There. Went to Trinity College. Also, went, where did you go to law school again? Uh, NYU Law. NYU Law. Yep. And then you uh, got into, you're at Pitney, one of the major firms doing pension funds. And um. What about Hartford Council president, city council president? And when did you serve as that? Uh two
1: thousand twelve to two thousand sixteen.
0: And what did you learn from that experience about that are gonna help you be be a good state treasurer? Uh I, I learned I learned a lot. I, you know, talking about
1: pensions, I learned that it's an attractive place for politicians to go to try to take money or to not yeah. fun, right? And an easy one to get away with if nobody's watching. Um so so I learned that. I learned uh already knew this, but but I really learned it. Government is not a business, mm. and people who w- want to say oh, the state of Connecticut needs a CFO as treasurer or needs a money manager. Government is not a business; it's different. Mm-hmm. The, the The purpose of government is different, and and the way government operates um,
0: is different, right? And so I learned that in the trenches doing it. And why right is there. that? Because you have, besides responsibility, instead of shareholders, you have responsibility to a public that isn't looking just for a return on money, but has social goals as well. It, it, which you're exactly. actually legally allowed, allowed to take into concern if you're a CEO of a public company when you make decisions, right? Legally, or you have you, to just focus on shareholder return. They can sue you. They, they can, but
1: again, there's this false premise about that you know, I rejected 20 years ago at the afl which is you, you can't do something
0: good right. that's that's fiduciarily sound. Right. You can, right? And, but anyway, you said government's different, and that's a really yeah. interesting point you make because we're now in an era where so many people who have zero experience in government are just sure that everyone in government is an idiot that every decision they made was for bad reasons because they didn't know what they were doing and that they could just come in and do it better. So right now, especially on the Republican side, but also on the Democratic side, for uh, in the race for governor, we have all these, sell, these millionaires in the financial industry running for governor and putting their own money in, yep. making that case. And even in this race, you're running against a guy named John Blankley, who has been chief financial officer for BP North America and Harris Chemicals. And he said that he is the best candidate for treasurer, the most qualified in the history of the position Jeff found an instant claim which means he must have researched a couple hundred years worth of state treasurers and know what each of them did See, but also he hasn't been in government correct um, I'm
1: I'm not aware I know he I know he's run for office in Greenwich before I'm not sure
0: so why isn't he right that what you need in this job is someone who has the pr- private sector experience and that government is just people in government don't know what they're doing
1: well so he, he He's not right for at least two reasons, and probably more. One is, you know, as I mentioned before, and I wasn't specifically referring to him, but you bring, bring him up, we, we don't need a CFO. We don't need someone who's, who's focused their life on you know being, being a bean counter, right That's all part of what you what you need as a as a team, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have a chief investment officer in the treasurer's office, you have portfolio. Or principal investment officers for different asset classes. You have unclaimed property, which we've talked about. Someone, in, you know, so you you have a staff with a, a varying degrees of expertise in different areas. You know, what you need, in my view, is someone with, you know, one with the experience with public pension plans. I am the only candidate uh, in the race, Republican or Democrat, that has uh, this experience. With public both in the system. private sector as an attorney and in city council. It, correct. Um, my level of experience as a in government uh, on these issues is way beyond any of the other candidates, both Republican or Democrat. And is that running.
0: because of the kind of negotiating you need to do, the extra layer of negotiation and public concerns you have to take into account when you're making pension decisions when it's a government pension as opposed to a private? The yes. Yes.
1: And the, you know, it's just very different. And if you, and if you haven't worked with a public pension system before, um, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. understand, you know, the, you know, the, the public policy considerations that go into public pension plans, making investments. Um, and they, some are statutorily dictated. Others Mm -hmm. are, you know, pension boards and, and treasurers, uh, determined. Uh, but, the, you know one one of the things going back to government and and learning right you you have to work with people right and it's a it's a pretty basic concept but when you're when you're a, a CEO of a of a corporation you know you you tell somebody to hey I want you to do this you push a button and it happens right and, and donald trump i guess he's used to doing that Right, and we see how how ineffective
0: he is. As Although some people say a good CEO is good with people, the and convinces them to buy into the mission. Well, um, well, it's interesting that you raised that as I talk about
1: Donald Trump because he's Exhibit A. I don't see him getting buy-in. I don't see him getting to, engaging with people. But um, when I was elected city council president, uh, it was on. We have a nine-member council body. It was on a five-four vote. Right. same day I was sworn in as a member of the council, I ran for council president, and I ran against the longest-serving member of the council. And it was a 5-4 vote, and I won. Uh, two years later, when I ran for re-election to that role, it was unanimous. And one of the first people who said that they wanted to support me in the role was the member of the council that ran against me. That's about experience. That's about consensus building. That's about bringing people to the table. And we all did not agree you know, from a policy perspective. Uh, But uh, I submit to you, if you don't have experience in government in doing that, your ability to go up to the state level and to be effective with the legislature, be effective with the next governor, be effective with other key stakeholders, is very limited when you start learning how to do that on the job. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only candidate that will be ready to do that on day one both from an experience in government perspective and an experience with public pension systems, you know, and, you know, and the fact that I get that this job is about people, uh, it involves money, uh, but it's about people fundamentally and our people, the
0: state of Connecticut. And right, you've gotten some endorsements from, uh, especially from elected officials in our cities, Waterbury, Hartford, New Windsor, New Haven and Bridgeport, as well as, uh, Bloomfield, the mayor of New Haven, Tony Harp has endorsed you. Yes. Yes. And you've raised $68,000 so far in the first quarter. Uh, you're going to run I'm, for public financing. I'm,
1: I'm up, I'm more, oh, it's higher. Um, I'll probably release, release. I'll be qualified within the next week. Oh, for public finance. How much do you have? Yes. 25? Uh,
0: 76,000. Oh, just 76. Okay. Yep. And and why are you running on public financing?
1: W- one, I I believe in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, Reducing the influence of big yeah. Is there a problem money.
0: for a treasurer if your money's coming from corporate special
1: interest? In terms the, of I mean, the truth is, right now, because the maximum contribution amount is a hundred bucks, um, I think that in and of itself has reduced the influence. Can but you get the spent pack
0: money if you don't run public?
1: Yes. So that's, right. Yeah. Yeah. If if I if I were not participating in the system, I could get more money. Um, and from more uh, sources, including PAC money, yeah. So, you, but now you can have a limit of only hundred dollars. Maximum amount is a hundred dollars, and um, and no I can't PACs. and I can't take money from uh, principals of state contractors or principals of investment mm-hmm. services firms, right? So, the, the treasurer actually is the most restrictive office for raising money. Uh, but it's been, you know, I've I've been in this race three or four months I've I've closer to qualifying than anybody else in the race and I've got over 800 contributors from you know, 95 96 communities throughout our state
0: all right so. well Sean Wooden thanks so much for walking me through some stuff that you probably not had explained in that detail people for a long time no but it was no it was great it was I try to understand it so our listeners can understand it too and no I, pre- I appreciate you engaging me
1: and uh, if I could say, if people want more information, they yeah, can where go, they go www.shawnwooden.com. And that's S-H-A-W-N-W-O-O-D-E-N.com.
0: And also, if I go on thematrix.com, it'll send me there? Actually, I'm going to set that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Great. thanks for joining Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you, Paul. It. it was a real pleasure to talk to you. And thanks, everyone, for joining us at WNHHFM's Dateline New Haven. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program and today's guest, state treasurer candidate, Sean Wooden. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience, performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.